Thanks for joining us for the Westbridge Church Podcast. More information about Westbridge Church is available at westbridgedanville.com. Here's this week's message from Pastor John McDougall. Well, good morning. It's good to gather, isn't it? And just refocus on our Lord. I was thinking about just the uh, hope for the long haul. We're picking up each week one essential to help us live with hope for the long haul, but you could really sum it up in it's fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author, perfecter of our faith, and just really living with, in that sweet spot. It's tough, though, in everyday life. We go out into our week, get busy, and um, life can be hard, and so good to come back as a faith family and appreciate our worship team just leading us back into that sweet simplicity of fixing our eyes on Christ. He is our living hope. And today we're going to look at a truth that it's tucked away in the letter of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. God uses his word to, to just nourish us step by step in the journey home. And I'm excited about that truth. But before we get into that, just to preview what's coming, this is the last week of our Hope for the Long Haul series. Next Sunday, we kick off a series. It's our family series. We're calling it Seasons. And we're going to dive into a, an area of theology that I don't know that I've ever really spent much time thinking about, and it's the theology of age and aging. God created us to, to develop, and he's, he speaks into that in his word. So, and I don't know about you, if you feel my, my pain, I'm a little slow. So just about the time I get one season of life figured out, it's over. And I think, man, I wish I knew all that stuff back at the beginning of that season or wish the season could go on a little longer, but nope, on to the next season. What if we could maximize each season of life for the glory of God and just hit it in a way that, that we're uh, stewarding what he's giving us and that the unique opportunities, processing the challenges in a way for the glory of God. So we're going to look at the wonder of childhood next week, and then we'll move into the energy of youth, and then we'll move into the strength of adulthood, and then we'll move into the glory of age. And so excited for, for that. Also, as we think about seasons, exciting season that we're moving into here as a church family, staff-wise, in that so thankful that Pastor Tyson and Shelley were led by the Lord to, to continue to run with us, but in a, a different role, moving out of student ministry into primarily a focus on small group ministry, but also helping out with a variety of other responsibilities. And one of the things that, that Pastor Tyson's going to do is help share the preaching load. He's going to pick up about 15 Sundays out of the year. And what the students have been enjoying and appreciating, and many of you grew up in his, under his ministry, we're all going to get to, to enjoy that. God has uniquely gifted him as a communicator. And he has a, a style that's that will be different than my style, which is good. I, I think it'll be good for the balance. The other nice thing that I'm, I'm excited about is he is young, and I am forever young. I, I consider myself forever young in Christ, right? And I want to stay young as a kid at heart. But the reality is I don't wake up in the middle of the night with a kid who's crying over a, a bad dream anymore. I'm just not in that season of life like he is. I, I am not waking up in the middle of the night, but it's to do what old people do. 
right? <laughs> Starting to fill the, the pack and sympathize with that end of the spectrum. So what's going to be neat is now we can really, hopefully as a team, we will be just speaking into everybody's lives. And, and God, ultimately, it's not the messenger, but it's the message. That stays the same, the word of God. But coming through a slightly different messenger, I think, is really going to be, be good for us. Also, as we uh, prepare to launch into this new ministry year, our new ministry year starts in, in uh, September we have a, a ministry update that we'd like to share with you, and I first want to apologize. The communication on this is late. I should have been sharing this back in May, but it has to do with our Wednesday night programming. One of the things we do as a leadership team each spring is we evaluate all our ministries to make sure they're helping us accomplish our mission of helping people become fully devoted followers of Christ, and each one of them falls under worship, reach, connect, grow, or serve. Wednesday nights, the purpose of those that ministry was for grow or discipleship in kids, youth, and adults. For the past several years, when we get to spring and we evaluate it, we're like, you know what? We're pouring energy into this ministry. We're pouring staff energy, volunteer energy, promotional energy, and it, it keeps doing this. So what do we do? And we've tried to put ener- continue to put energy into it, hoping it would turn up and, and better accomplish its purpose, and it's just not. So we, we, as a leadership team, think it's time for an update, and it's this. We will continue to pour energy into our middle school and high school ministry, and they will meet on Wednesday night, but with the focus of connecting community and, and growth. And then our uh, adult ministries, adult Bible studies, will continue to be offered in a variety of times and places. Sunday morning classes, our men's, uh, men's ministry led by Tim Howard, women's ministry led by Tam, will be promoting and providing a variety of adult Bible studies. So that will continue to go. Some might meet on Wednesday night, but that won't be the primary focus. And then the change will be in our preschool and our elementary kids. We're going to discontinue Wednesday night programming and take the energy and resources and focus that to what's already thriving but can get even better, and that's our Sunday morning programming for kids. And four big events, kids' events throughout the year, that we may meet Wednesday night, maybe another night, but strategic to not only reach our kids, but also for them to invite their friends. And then we're also going to, Seth and his team is going to really focus this year on equipping the family to be the primary influence in a kid's life, the greatest influence in a kid's life, which we believe, but we want to be intentional about, even in small groups, how, what do we, those of you who have kids in a small group, what are some ways to help your kids, even in that environment, or um, equipping families to uh, men, dads, to lead a, a family worship time or a family huddle, a prayer time as a family. What's that look like? And he'll be teaching a course in uh, not this next Sunday, but the following Sunday, 9 o'clock hour in the youth room for four weeks, uh, Seth and his dad. So, so that's the, the game plan. We're excited about uh, what this redirection of energy and, and focus will, will help us in, in leveraging for the future. But today, the truth we're going to look at is a truth that not only has power to fill us up with hope as we follow Christ, but ultimately as we practice what, what this truth calls us to, to, to be a hope-giving force. So it's a bit of a shift, but it's where, and not only just individually to be a hope-giving force, but corporately as a church. So the picture that came to my mind was, have you ever, do you, do you ever hang out with somebody, and after you hang out with them, you're it's not like they were intentionally meaning to do this, but you just kind of fill up with, with hope. Your hope level rises after having been with them. You walk away, you're not really so much feeling smaller, 
and focused on your weaknesses and all those things that you know are issues in your life, but rather you feel like, hey, you know, that mountain out there, I'm ready to go charge that. And, and there's a hope lift around them. I, I was thinking about the uh, way Jack Welch, who's a super successful, he was businessman, CEO, he wrote the book Winning, and he was describing the kind of people he wants to hire. And the, they were hope instillers, and he said it this way. He said, I'm looking for people who make me, Jack Welch, feel like I'm 6'5 and, and I've got a head full of hair. He was a real short guy with, and that was bald, right? <laughs> and it's that idea of, you know, people that when you're with them, they just somehow lift you up in hope. And as a community, what if as a church, when people joined us, maybe you're, you're new here today, and, and what you sense is just a, an uplift, like a, a thermal that, that just picks you up and, and helps you in your life mission. That's what this truth will, will empower us to do and to be as we follow Christ. And so it's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Quick uh, context, this is the letter that we went through back in our fall series, Must Read Mail. And the primary focus of it is really talking about the, the, the coming of our Lord, the hope that that gives us. There were some issues that were going on in this church that, that, that uh, Paul was addressing, but we went through the first five and a half chapters. We left, left the last little bit for today. And so we're going to finish this up. What's unique about this part of the, the text is, if, if you're familiar with the writing of Paul, the letters of Paul, he would fall into the category most of the time of being pretty long-winded. He can develop an argument and just keep going on and on with it. Not here. It, it's, it, it's really striking the brevity and the amount of territory he covers in a short amount of time which really wraps up the urgency and the importance of this text. But we'll begin in verse 12 of chapter 5. We'll discover the first move that God's calling us to make here. He says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, so he's, he has the picture of this family, the family of God, those who have trusted Christ and are journeying together. He says, we ask you to acknowledge those or recognize those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in highest regard. Here's the word, the phrase to circle, in love, because of their work. And so he, and then he follows up with live in peace with each other. And so here the first move that Paul calls us to make is in the realm of leadership, as we look to the leaders around us. And the move is this, love on our leaders. Someone has said, everything rises and falls on leadership. A leader is someone in the kingdom of God who, who is not pursuing position or prestige, but we know as we follow Christ, leadership is about sacrificial service, as Jesus taught us in washing the feet. And it's someone who says, I'll step up and I'll lead in a way that I'll run point for a ministry, I'll run point as an elder, I'll do this, that, and I'll serve the body of Christ sacrificially. We know that the calling of, of God on leaders is to have the mindset of a soldier. So this is not to, to say that we want to pamper those in leadership. Leaders, the leader, I love that little phrase, you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. That's kind of the mindset that a leader has to have as we step up. God calls us to that, to, to have that soldier mindset. We're going to suffer. So no complaining, no whining, no whimpering. It's what it is. Jesus took a cross, leaders we need to be ready to lay down our lives, and it's the call, right? It's the least we can do. But there's some challenges to leadership. The enemy we know will hit leaders, and if a leader stumbles and bonks, 
we all suffer. Why? Because the speed of the leader, speed of the team. If a leader starts running low on hope, it's going to be affect the rest of the team. If a leader paces down, it's going to affect the pace of, of the entire team. And so here God is saying, as you do life, as you journey through the long haul, and you think about leaders. Now, there's a tendency, leaders, there's no perfect leader, and leaders guide and often make mistakes, and so we, we can be critical. We can think, ah, oh, why did they do this? Why did they do that? But as a team, a hope-instilling team, what's our mindset towards leaders? Those who are working hard and doing a good job, we want to love on them, acknowledge them, lift them up. And so I thought, hey, rather than talk about it, what if we just do it here for a couple minutes? And I'd like to just recognize our, our elder leadership team is the team of, of men who have said, we will care for the needs of the spiritual needs of the body of Christ here at Westbridge. And I so appreciate each one that has stepped up. It's a sacrificial commitment of time, but also of heart and energy, and, and they're all involved in a variety of ministries, but I, um, it's a gift of God, the leaders that, that he's raised up here at our church, and so I just want to, we want to just go through them. We'll start with uh, our, the chairman of our elder team, Bo Humphrey, and Bo has served as chair of our elder team for two years. I look back and see where the Lord led us, and I think we would not have gotten up and over the mountains without the ministry of Bo and Rachel. And it's awesome just seeing how God equipped Bo, even through his day job, to lead the body of Christ through uh, our Love Makes Room initiative, um, the building and facility and all that went with that, through our staff transition season. He is uniquely gifted for that, through our uh, adding church planting staff, as well as just the variety of, of things. This past week, Bo was up till past midnight on Tuesday putting our budget together for our coming ministry year. He put a 10-year pro forma together, which will kind of lay out the expected cost in the future so we can make wise decisions today. Wednesday, we met as a finance team until late into the evening, processing through that budget. We had to make cuts of about $100,000 out of the, the budget request. Went into Thursday, and he met with the elder leadership team and led us through that night. And it's, it's sacrifice, and he's working hard. And here God says, let's lift up and love on. And so today, as you have opportunity, I encourage you to see Bo, Rachel, give them a hug, a, a high five. One of the things I've most appreciated about Bo's leadership, though, is, are two things. One is prayer. Throughout our meetings, they're saturated with prayer. And it's really neat. As we're talking through an issue or a problem, we just stop. We pray for it. And the other is the, his love for the Word of God. I've never been in a meeting that he doesn't start it with, without opening up the Word of God, and we read. And so you get together for a finance meeting Tuesday night to talk about budget. Think, what could possibly be? We open up the Word of God, and we start right here seeking him and his Word. And I love the, uh, that legacy that I know in my mind will, will, has stuck and will stick. And as I think of Bo, I think of Isaiah 66, 2. It says this, God speaking, and he says, Has not my hand made all things so that they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor. This is who God looks on and is pleased. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit. And what's the mark of that? Those who tremble at my word. Who value the word of God. Love the Lord, but love his word. Treasure it. And what a gift God has given us. And a leader like Bo, who's willing to 
Um, his one concern is to please our Lord. I've appreciated personally as well being point lead, the way that God has knit our spirits together and as a team we walk together. That's him. That's his blessing and really his spirit as, as we uh, seek to serve you and, and care for you as the body of Christ as we follow our, our lead shepherd, the Lord. So we'll uh, go ahead and roll through the rest of our team here just so you can know them and thank them. Rick and Kathy Baker. And Kathy, just found out this morning, fell and broke her kneecap. They have been looking forward to planning a trip to Scotland with four other couples in our church that they leave on Wednesday. So if you could just pray for her, and um, that's a hard, hard time. A precious couple here rolling through. We have Seth, our youngest elder, the... Uh, Keep on rolling. We have Doug and Abby and family, and you can pray for Doug. He's, he will be stepping into the chairman role for the next two years. And so I would encourage some of you, if you even right now, just get nudged to lift him up in prayer. Remember him in prayer. Fred and Megan, Fred and his ladies. <laughs> awesome. Appreciate their ministry. And uh, Pastor Tyson and Shelley and family, so grateful for them. And Tim and Kimmy, wonderful family here and pulling on the rope in so many ways. Isn't that a great picture? It makes all the rest of our pictures feel bad. Kimmy's a professional photographer. So, so uh, <laughs> then Don and Christy, here they are. Now, what's amazing, if you go back to the first picture, there's uh, Wes is sitting on the lap, Michael. He's just waiting. And the next picture shows you what he's waiting for. Wait till you see the smile. But uh, he's got the girl. But Don and Christy don't change much in that pic. Flash back to that one before. Can we roll back to the last one? Okay, see Don and Christy. Now look at this. Isn't that amazing? So we need to be talking to them. Where have they found the fountain of youth? He is a doctor, but uh, I know they walk closely with the Lord. But yeah, what a, a blessing they are. Don has is uh, on our team, J.D. and Crystal, Lane and family, Eric and Pam, so appreciated their ministry. Eric's one of our prayer warriors, and throughout the year, he'll just say, hey, what can I pray for? And, and if you need, going through a, a specific time of need, see Rob and Nicole, Travis and Sally, and Harold and Becky. And so just encourage you to thank uh, these folks who are loving you and serving you. So the question becomes, what if we are a community who are loving on our leaders? What happens? And the reality is, as we live out the word of God, his blessing flows through, through our leaders to, to the rest of us. As a church family, you've been doing that. Part of me was thinking we could skip this, preaching to the choir. We, you do an awesome job of this, but I encourage you to keep on, and with this in mind, as we love on our leaders, it impacts life, real lives, our lives, and the lives of those that we love, and we saw an example of this in the uh, Montego Bay this past summer. What's, do you know the average tenure of a youth pastor? Anybody heard that number? The average tenure of a youth pastor is 1.5 years. But when you have a church who's loving on their youth pastor, loving on their leader, how long do they stay? And Pastor Tyson and Shelley have been with us four, 
15 years, nine years on staff. And what happens when you love on somebody and they have the time to stay and then build into lives and relationships? And what Tyson and Shelley, they ran through their finish line at our mission trip in, in uh, Jamaica. And this is the moment. It was unscripted, but we'll go ahead and roll this. We, uh, this was not planned, but throughout the week, God began to move in, into the hearts of some students to say they want to take the next step in baptism and came up to Pastor Tyson and said, hey, can we just be baptized right here? And as you see each student take this step, the thought of this is, these are real lives being changed through leaders who love them. that a great picture of the blessing of our God flowing through one another, through relationship, through impact, through leadership. And I think about today we're, we're responding to this text and being intentional about looking at our elder team, but what if God recreated the, the reflex in our hearts as we think about leaders and our reflex is to love on them? So whether that's a, a leader at work or your small group leader, whether it's a leader in ministry and you just get nudged to, hey, they're, they're doing their best to champion a cause, that, that our response is, I just want to encourage, love on, lift up. What would be the impact? It's huge. And it, it's um, hope flows out of these moments and God honors and blesses this, uh, our, our response to this. So first move is to uh, love on our leaders. Second move we see in verses 14 and 15, 
We'll uh, go ahead and read this. He moves, his focus moves from leadership to teammates. And here he says, and we urge you, so you can feel the, the intensity growing here. We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. And so the second move to implement, we'll take right out of this text, is always strive to do what is good for each other. So on our journey home, the long haul, the reflex of our lives is, and I love the word always, and then the strive. Okay, this is, it's going to take some work, and there's a consistency to it, where I'm, as I do life with my teammates, I'm seeking their good. Always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. And we say, well, what does that look like? And we see it in the text as he says, Warn those who are idle. Now, in this context, just to review, remember what the big issue was in this church was that they knew Jesus was coming, they had that promise, but some of them took, the, took that truth and they were a bit off with it. Often the biggest problems in life aren't when we're way over here, but we just slightly misapply a truth to our lives. And how are they applying the truth of the coming of Christ? Quit your job and just hang out till he comes. And live off the goodwill of everybody else. And then they were t telling other people to do that. And others like, no, you can't quit your job. you got to keep working. And Paul writes into that. He's like, guys, if you don't eat or if you don't work, you don't eat. That's, um, we're not going to live off the goodwill of other people. And the imminent coming of Christ, true, he could come anytime. It's not permission to quit your job and stop being useful to society. Keep your job. Keep working hard. Well, how do they get back on track? Somebody has to warn somebody else. Say, hey, man, you're off right here. And that's a hard conversation, isn't it? But aren't you thankful for the moments that somebody loved you enough to warn you? A blind spot that maybe you didn't see. And today, as you think about your own life and relationships, who is there a person in your, your life that God's been nudging you? Just You need to have a conversation with them. You're close. You know them. You love them. And they're obviously off in this area and it could lead to some pain for them and dishonor to the Lord and it's hard but it's what love does and so he says warn those in this context who are idle but uh, those who need to be warned and then the second one is encourage the disheartened what's it look like to always strive to do good for those around us those who have lost heart or are discouraged dropping down into despair all they can see is the dark tunnel and they can't see the light our job is to come alongside of them and encourage them, help them remember that there is hope. The unfailing love of God is our, the backdrop of our lives, and just be there with them and speak truth into their lives. I love the picture of David and Jonathan. Do you remember uh, Saul was king of Israel? David was anointed by Samuel to be king, but then David goes into 17 years of being chased through the desert as a fugitive, and partway through, he just loses hope, disheartened. He's out there thinking... What am I doing? And Jonathan, the, who's Saul's son, who should be king, finds him. Now, if you stop and think, how hard would it have been to find David, who Saul, with all the resources of being king, couldn't find him? Jonathan goes out. He finds him to do what? You remember what the text says? He gets with him, and he helps him find strength in the Lord. He encourages him. He just reminds him, David... God gave you a promise, and he's going to keep that promise. And who is it in your life today, someone close to you, going through a tough time, that you could just come alongside and, and just lift them, 
Say, hey, be encouraged. There is hope. God has given us all of this and just help them remember who they are in Christ. And then the next way that we can do good for each other, he, he says, help the weak. So warn those who are idle, encourage the disheartened, help the weak. And I love the intensity of the word help. It's literally hold on to, or another guy translates it, cling to the weak. And as I was thinking about what this text looks like in the spiritual realm, so somebody comes to Christ, they're new in the faith, the rest of us get to hold on to them as, they're, as they grow strong to learn what it looks like to walk by faith in Christ. And what a gift and what a privilege to help somebody get strong in Christ. And I, I kept thinking about all, right now it seems like we have a, a huge batch of new little kids in our church family. And it's like, I think it's the class of 2036. And it's so fun to see these little kids growing up, these babies getting stronger, and now they're beginning to take steps and walk. And it's fun watching parents. I, I never see a parent just mad about having to pick up and hold their kid. It's just what we do, right? We, we love it. And I remember when the kids were young, it was such a joy. I think about when Jesse, we'd be out on a, coming home at night, and Jesse would fall asleep in her car seat. It was so fun picking up her and just cuddling her and taking her to bed as her dad. I just loved just putting her in her bed, tucking her in to the point where I think she enjoyed it too. She would actually, if she wasn't asleep, play possum act like she was, and I as dad would play possum too and pretend that she was just for the joy of picking her up. And I think Chad was, give her the what for. <laughs> You're not asleep, but we don't care, right? Why? Just love to hold her. It's a joy, isn't it? If God has given you the privilege of, of holding somebody who is new in the faith, what a joy that is. It can be messy. It can be hard. It can be take time, but what a gift. And as a church family, to just have that mindset as we see people tottering on, on new legs in their faith to just um, delight in helping them and, and holding them. That's the picture here. And then the next one is, is awesome. Paul, this is, he just says, all right, just be patient with everybody. <laughs> Isn't that good? Be patient with who? Everyone. And what's that assume? Who's going to irritate us? Being patient is is refusing to be irritated by the shortcomings of the, the people around us. So who's going to irritate you? Everybody. <laughs> but in the body of Christ, in this team, there's patience. And where does that come from? It's, it's realizing God has been so patient with me. He is. Are we there yet? No. So far. And yet he is so patient. And so we extend that patience with one another. It doesn't mean we... Um, enable dysfunction or, or abuse or any of those things. We deal with problems. We get through conflict, all that. But it means we're giving people room to, to fall, fall and mess up, and, and, and there's reconciliation. There's grace for that. I was thinking about what's the great call of, for the Christ follower? What's our new command that Jesus gave us? And we all say, all right, John 13, 34, Jesus said, a new command I give you, love each other. We're all like, yeah, love each other as he loved us. Let's do that. But what is the first word God uses to describe love in motion in 1 Corinthians 13? The first word. <laughs> What's it look like to love? Love is patient. Got to put up with it, each other, don't we? But that's where the glory of God is seen, is we're patient with each other. And, in, and as we're that way, we become a, a source of hope 
for one another. And then he says, always strive to do what is good for each other and everyone else. Always strive. It's, this is to be the way of our life. And as we live this way, we will be a community of hope that's um, and instilling hope for those around us. The next move, we see Paul shifts from leaders to teammates to our mindset. And we see this in verses 16 to 18. These uh, precious bit of scripture here as he says, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the move is this, and we'll just take the scripture and say it's rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. To rejoice always, here God is calling us to choose joy in every circumstance of our life. Now, the, uh, the, the idea of choosing joy is that, well, first we'll define joy. Joy is an all-pervasive sense of well-being based on some knowledge that we have. And the knowledge is that in Christ, we have been blessed in a way that circumstances can't touch. So that this doesn't mean that we're plastic and fake and we're not dealing with real human emotions of, of grief and anger and hurt and all those things. But it's in the midst of the pain and the hurt, the atmosphere of our soul, and this is where, what's beautiful, God's will for your life is that the atmosphere of your mind, your thinking and your, your heart, soul, is one of joy. Joy is the, the tenor of our lives. You say, how can I have joy when I'm going through this circumstance? And it's this. As we go through the circumstances of life, we never lose sight of what we have in Christ. If you look to the last bit of this text, he says, for this is God's will for you in Christ, in Christo. Crucial bit of theology here. As we understand who we are in Christ, and this is all over the New Testament, 66 times in John chapter 14 to 17, where Jesus huddles with his, his followers and says, all right, guys, this is how you're going to have to live while I'm gone. He uses the preposition in, in me. You're going to be in me, and I'm going to be in you. Our union with Christ is the secret to our joy. You say, okay, what is that then? How are we blessed as we're in Christ? When you come to faith in Christ, if you've trusted him as your Savior, five things. I'll give you five here. There's lots of them, but here's five that you can just rattle off as you go throughout your life. Number one, you are eternally safe in him. You're like eternally safe, secure, immortal till he calls you home. Two, you are eternally loved. That fear of do I belong, will I be accepted? Yes, yes, a thousand times yes. He's accepted you and you belong to his family, the body of Christ. He's put his love into the hearts of people around you who will love you as he does. Third, you are free when you were a slave to sin. So these things that shackled you and drug you down, sipping the poison of sin, thinking that will satisfy, it only leads to greater thirst. You no longer have to sip that stuff. When the, the enemy comes saying, no, 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 I own you, you got to take it. You can say, no, I don't. I belong to Christ. I'm dead to sin, alive to Christ, and I am free to follow him. And he gives us a desire to do what's right. He's also given us the power to do what's right, what leads to life. Fourth, he's given us a purpose worth waking up for, bigger than making widgets, selling widgets, designing widgets, and all that stuff, and that is to be, to do good works, Ephesians 2.10, to the people around us, and what he's called us to in that. And then fifth, he's prepared a beautiful future for us, preparing a place, a home, and as we think about the long road home, it's where that sun is setting, that's the place, just over the mountain, that uh, where, where life truly will begin. So what's the source of our joy? It's all of that in Christ. He goes on and he says, 
not only rejoice always, but pray continually. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about prayer and when I read, there's several texts like this. The first thing that hits me is guilt, like I'm not doing this. But I stop and come at this through the back door. What is God telling us here? This is really an invitation of our Father inviting us into an ongoing, intimate conversation. And what a gift, what a precious truth where God is saying, hey, let's talk all the time. And it's not about saying the right things where Jesus teaches us how to pray, but it's about just living in his presence, practicing his presence. And then as we practice his presence, the, the, uh, the tenor of our, or the, really the, the reflex of our life is to give thanks in all circumstances. One of the, someone has said one of the primary marks of spiritual maturity or being uh, teleon, complete as a disciple, is, the, is gratitude, where rather than thinking about those few things that we don't have, we wish we had, we're, we're reflexing over to thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you've given me. But, but I wish I had that. Rather than focusing on that, we're saying, Lord, thank you that I'm eternally safe, eternally loved, free when I was a slave, that you've given me a purpose worth waking up and going after, and that you're preparing a place for me, that my future is beautiful. And what's neat as you look at this text is, okay, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, but what he adds right here is really powerful, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. As you think about your life, often there's those turns and the forks in the road where you're wondering, which way do I go? And those are the moments we stress and say, okay, Lord, I wish I knew your will. And God is faithful as we ask him for wisdom to give us wisdom and direction and the big, those decisions do matter. But what matters most to God at the fork in the road in the decision-making moments of life? What matters most to him, I think, is not direction that we choose, but who we're becoming. And, and what's neat is we will make bad decisions, but even down that road, we can know, I, okay, even if I'm on the wrong road here, this I can do, and this is the will of God, and this is what matters most, that I'm rejoicing always. God's will for you is to be a person of joy. It's his will. And God's will for you is to be somebody who's praying continually and, and growing in that living in his presence. And God's will for your life is that you would be a person of gratitude, somebody who's just overflowing with gratitude like all the time, giving thanks in, in all circumstances. Isn't that encouraging? Do you feel the, the, the lift in that and the, the encouragement that that gives us? So we ask the question then, okay, as, a, as teammates, how do we get to that point of being strong to help other people when they're down? How, how can I be the person that I'm encouraging somebody or I'm helping the weak? It's right here, isn't it? It's practicing this mindset. As I practice the mindset of rejoicing, always praying continually, giving thanks in all circumstances, I gain strength to give hope and help to the people around me, the people that have lifted you in your life. Think about those people who just, as you hang out with them, they're like that thermal. What marks their life? As I was thinking about that, it's often, it's right here. There are people who are practicing joy, choosing joy, praying continually, seeking to pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. All right, on to the last, we, uh, last move to make in verses 19 to 22, 
this is big, but he says, do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good, and, and reject every kind of evil. So this fourth move is, he's uh, equipping us how to walk with the spirit of God. One of the gifts of this in this time, as we come to faith in Jesus Christ, God tells us that we receive the gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit, which uh, you stop and just let that soak in. We are, the, we are the temple of the Spirit of God. And what is the purpose of the Spirit within us? It's to propel us. When he says don't quench the Spirit, quenching is that idea of the, the Spirit's up to something, moving us, like a fire creating the heat and the energy we need to, to do the will of God. But God has also given us the freedom to say no to him, to quench him, to refuse when he prompts us, and the Spirit of God convicts us when we're off, he, he teaches us the Word of God, he uh, guides us, leads us, but we can ignore his prompting. And here he's saying, don't quench the Spirit of God. One of the ways that we can quench the Spirit is, even as uh, he says in verses 20, 21, do not treat the prophecies with contempt. The word prophecy there, he's not talking about somebody telling the future, but rather the way prophecy is used in 1 Corinthians 14, which is to, to uh, speak the word of God that's been revealed to us already with, with uh, authority, but also as preaching and teaching is where we take the word of God and then we say, okay, how does this apply to our lives? And as pastors and as teachers, as small group leaders, those who, who preach and teach God somehow works through our weakness as we stay focused on his word, and the spirit will nudge us. Uh, he works in these moments. And the, the struggle, though, is I'm an imperfect messenger, and I, will, I have said things that are wrong. And so in this text, he says, everything that somebody says teaches, test it. Back it make sure it backs up to the word of God. And if it's good, eat it. It's like eating watermelons. Eat the good, spit the seeds out. If there's wrong in that, reject it. But, um, but don't quench the Spirit of God. If God, if the Spirit nudges you, as we've been even talking this morning, to, to move this way or that way, go with that. And as we do, we gain strength to do what God's called us to do. And then he moves into the last part of this, is a prayer of encouragement. And this is a powerful prayer. Paul wraps it up as he says, May God himself... The God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. What a great encouragement from the word of God that he, he prays. First, God, would you sanctify? That word sanctify is the idea of uh, to change us, to be like Christ, to, to wash out the impurities, to put in the heart of Christ, and then to make us useful for the, the purposes of God. I picture a dirty sock in the washing machine and our lives, our souls. And he's just praying, as you think about your own life, someone close to you that you could pray this prayer over. Lord, sanctify them. Sanctify me through and through. But sanctify this person through and through. And then the end of it, and God is faithful and he will do it. So wrapping it all up, what would happen if, if we as a, a faith community practiced these four moves? What would happen is if we as leader, if we decided in the realm of leadership, we're going to love on our leaders. We're going to lift them up. It's going to be part of our, our culture and personally our way of, of acting. And what if as teammates we practice these things? We're always striving to do what is good for each other. And what if we're practicing this mindset, rejoicing always, 
praying continually, giving thanks in all circumstances. And then what if we all commit to walk in surrender to the Spirit? That, that we're praying, Lord, help me not to quench you. But when you say go, even if it's risk or surrender or sacrifice, I'll be going at your lead. What would happen if we all lived this out? And then we took this prayer that Paul prays and we pray it over each other. We will become a community of hope instillers. There will be a, a, a hope lift in our lives personally, but also as we interact with the people around us. And this week on Friday, I had the, a powerful illustration of this just come right into the office, and it was in the form of this letter. Jake uh, Perry, who's our student ministries director, opened up a, these days you don't get mail often that's like addressed to you, personal, whatever. He opened up a letter sent to him at the church, and he came out and he's like, hey, check this out. And it was a letter from his dad. His dad's a pastor. His dad wrote a poem to him. And then what impacted me was this, what it says out here to the side. His dad writes, hey, Jake, I want you to know that I pray for you, Ellie, and your ministry throughout the day and every day. I love you. Jesus is working in you. Love, Dad. And then he writes here, be faithful in your ministry like the circuit rider. You say, well, what's the circuit rider? And there's a, he made a copy of this guy on a horse back when pastors would go from church to church on horseback. And John Wesley writes this, give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin, desire nothing but God, and I care not a straw, whether they be clergymen or laymen, such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. Love, Dad. Can you feel the hope lift in that? And that's to a young leader. Now, where did this come from? It came from a man who was living out this. What did he just say in the letter? Jake, I pray for you. And what's he praying? Jesus is working in you. Sanctify. What's he praying for his son? Father, make him like Jesus. Make him like Jesus. He's praying it. He's taking the prayer that Paul prayed, Scripture, and he's praying that into his son's life. And we're watching it happen. I'm seeing it happen. A young man living like Christ. But then go back up through it. What, what in the world caused him to do this? He's a busy pastor with a boatload of kids, other things going on in his life. Why did he sit down and take time to write a poem and then write this and then mail it? The Spirit of God within him nudged him. He said, I don't have time. The Spirit said, he did it. And then you, you, you say, well, where does a guy who's been in ministry for probably 30, 40 years still have the, the strength to lift somebody else up? He's learned the secret, you guys, that God gave us. Long haul, rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, and we get strong to lift up other people who are coming along beside of us. And then you, you, you keep it, keep moving up to um, teammate, or teammates, but, but then also think about Jake as a leader, and I was thinking, okay, he just poured into one of our leaders who's going to do what? What Tyson has been doing, pouring into my daughter and your daughter. And your son, and your, it's like, and what happens? They gain strength to follow Christ. And it's the beauty of the body of Christ, isn't it? 
if we'll put his word into action in our lives, we become a hope-giving force for the glory of God. Don't you love his church? Love his word. And let's go to, as we go to the Lord in prayer today, I would invite you just, again, let's just put this into play. Worship team, come on up. But I'll pray this prayer. But I would invite you to picture one person in your mind that God has, has put into your life. Somebody you love, somebody you know, who you could pray what Paul prays in verse 23. And we'll just pray this over this person. So let's pray together. Father, we're asking that you yourself, the God of peace, would do what only you can do is as you sanctify the person that we're thinking about right now through and through. Father, I thank you that you are the God of peace, that that through Christ you made it possible for us to be right with you, right with each other, and right with ourselves. But Lord, as we think about this person that you're bringing to mind, we know that they're in process just as we're in process, and we just ask you to... Help them through this hurdle, this season, whatever it is, and just put into them the heart of Christ. Sanctify them through and through. Father, we pray that their whole soul, spirit, body would be kept blameless at the coming, at your coming, which we know could be today. Lord, as we think about what you're doing in our hearts and the hearts of those around us, we thank you that you are faithful. And that we know you promised that what you start, that you'll finish, and one day we will be like Christ. But in the meantime, Lord, I thank you for a faith family where we can get together and just encourage each other and help each other and be a hope-giving force to one another and to the community as we steward the gospel. Lord, I thank you for the hope that we have in you. Jesus, we love you, we praise you, and we worship you. Thank you for the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.